So let's open up to Isaiah 6. And uh, I'll go ahead and just read. I'll, I'll read um, 1 through 7. And then I just want to walk through here and, and point out a few things because we haven't really, you know, sort of get caught up here. Um, and so it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. So this is um, one of the, sort of the few real vivid descriptions of someone actually seeing the Lord in his temple. And, you know, we don't really know where he saw this vision. Yeah. We don't know if it was... Like in a, in was he at the temple, you know, uh, the, the physical temple? Then I mean, we don't know. It doesn't say um, whether or not but he was in or out of the body. He doesn't know. We don't know any of that, right? We that's just what, know it was Paul like says. a vision. That's yeah, exactly, says, right? exactly. We we don't know yeah. what that's like, and there's not a lot of a description here. Um, but a vision is not a dream. It's not just oh, I'm dreaming something. It's like this is a reality. This very happened. vivid. Yeah, very vivid and. And it's a an encounter that I think brings about almost a sense of reality that's beyond even the reality of this earth. You know, that I'm actually, you know, seeing... It's a spiritual reality, that, exactly. which is way beyond the physical. Exactly, yeah, very much so. Um, now, so this is also the first time that we start getting a date <laughs> or we started getting something that actually has happened historically. If you remember, I said that chapters 1 through um, 6 are really more focused on the foundation of what we're going to start seeing from 7 on. And when we get into chapter 7, we are going to start dealing with specifically a historical situation. Hmm. All right, And we will look at that, and we'll look at some, actually we'll look at some maps and sort of get an idea of what's actually happening here. Because it's important to understand the landscape, um, who are the people that are involved to see what's happening? But we're going to see, starting in chapter 7, everything we've been le- seeing in 1 through 6 start getting played out. It's almost like, um, you know, Peter, you're buying a house. You know, a house has got a foundation. You don't see the foundation, but everything's built upon it. And it's sort of like that's what's going on with Isaiah 1 through 6, is we're building a foundation, and but we're, we're going to start seeing that reality come to fruition. Um, through there. Mm-hmm. So King Hosea, when he died, anybody know when he died? <laughs> what year? Anybody look at his death certificate? <laughs> uh, 
Somebody have any ideas? What? Seven hundred years before Christ. What did you say? Somewhere around seven hundred years. Very good. Seven thirty-nine, maybe. Very good. Oh wow, we're getting. Oh, there you go. Was it? (laughs) Yeah. Well, seven. The number there. Seven thirty-nine, seven thirty-five. Oh wow. Come on there. Oh, that's outrageous. (laughs) <laughs> what do I win? <laughs> what do you win for that? Where's the suckers? <laughs> I'll give that to you later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Actually, yeah, I've got yeah. one at my desk. I'll go grab it's one. It's an elementary school teacher <laughs> in me, I guess. Yeah. I've got a C sucker on my desk. So yeah. I'll grab you All one. All right, that's good. good. <laughs> um, yes, so it's around that time frame. Okay, it's around 739, 735, and we're going to see that his death is what sort of initiates this call to Isaiah's ministry. It also initiates what's going to be happening after his King Hosea dies mm-hmm. and who's going to take over. Yeah. And this becomes sort of the beginning of the, in a sense, the beginning of the story as to what happens in Isaiah. Um, now, notice as we go through here, try to keep in mind the senses that you see in Scripture being played out and how those senses are emphasized. So, by senses, we think of five senses. What are our five senses? Smell, taste, sight, hearing, touch. 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 Yeah. Okay. Did we get all those? Yeah. Taste, touch? Yep. We get, okay. I know. In Hebrew, there's actually two more that Hebrew treats as actual senses, which oh. is interesting. So the, in the Hebrew world, there's a total of seven, the five that we think of, but there's also, they actually have the sense of speaking as a sense, which is actually interesting because if you think about it, you know how important is God who speaks mm-hmm. into creation. So speaking is actually a sense, and also movement, kinetic yeah. movement yeah. is a sense, too. Um, so the, the Hebrews sort of have all, you know, they, they sort of add a couple of them, what we mostly think of as our traditional um, senses. Um, so it's movement and what? Kinetic movement, so the movement yeah. of our body, and uh-huh. speaking. 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 Yeah, interesting. Yeah, speaking is very powerful. Yeah, if you think about so it. So th- I can see why they would we, yeah, use that. Yeah, we think of hearing, mm-hmm. but the other side so of that is speaking. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah. a big deal. Yeah. Speaking is very powerful. Yeah. Um, so notice that, it, listen to the vision. So the, he saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. And listen to the description. Now, first of all, also notice that we start out with King Uzziah, who's an actual man who was the king okay, of Judah. Uh, he dies. He saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. And you can just sort of visualize this. Someone needs to like try to do a painting or something, you know. Um, high and lifted up, and a train of his robe filled the temple. Um, it's interesting. It doesn't really talk about God's face, but it talks about he saw the Lord. So like literally physically seeing the Lord. I mean, what happens do we mostly think about when we think of seeing God? You burn up. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, but who saw the Lord? Moses. Moses saw the yeah. Lord. Yeah. Did Abraham? Well. Or Abram? Yeah. What do you guys think? Did Abraham? I see. Well, sure talked to him. Yeah. yeah. Remember, like, the visitation <laughs> that Abraham had? And I would yeah. say Noah. Yeah. yeah, possibly Noah, yeah. I mean, building that ark. I mean, he must. 
If you didn't see him, he sure had a, a lot of faith in, here. Yeah. in the voice that was, again, that speaking, was right? Right, right. Maybe Paul, too, right? <coughs> well, we hear Paul obviously saw Jesus. Yeah. Um, and of course, yeah. and of course Adam. Hey, Jason. Okay. How you doing, buddy? Good. How are you? Good. Sorry. We're in the book of Isaiah. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> he was Chapter reading six. in his booth yesterday. <laughs> he was reading Isaiah in his booth. Oh, what's he? Yeah, oh, I'm awesome. very impressed. It was fascinating. I was like, hey, you know, I'm not going to paint. I'm just going to bring the book and, and sit down. We have a built. We built this little bench with little pillows and stuff. Oh, I got to. Yeah, I got to go see you guys' booth. So I'd sit down and I crack it open and I start. I'd start to read. And then, and I'm a couple minutes in. As soon as I'd start to read, like, you'd be dead as a doornail. I go, yeah. Okay, cool. So three, boom. Somebody would walk in and like, like if somebody real, you know, like a real buyer would walk in. <laughs> Keep reading. Oh, a they, all day long, it was crazy. <laughs> hey, by the way, what? The uh, the folks that they bought two, the two of yours and they want the uh, study of mine and they want us to come up to the ranch and everything. Right. Guess what ranch that is? I have no clue. Alisol. No, Hollister. Reagan's Ranch. Wow. Yeah, I was close. Oh. I was close. <laughs> Santa Ynez. Well, yeah, it's still, yeah, it's above. Huh. Let's, Let's go. go. I've yeah. seen pictures. Rancho del cool. uh, Cielo, which uh-huh. is the sure. heavens, effectively, Spanish for the sky and the heavens. Wow. Yeah, the, wow. Yeah. But yeah, they were That's so cool. low-key. It was wild. They were the coolest people. The mom and the son, they were just so mellow. And this is because you are reading the book of Isaiah. I'm not kidding you. He wants me to go I to don't album think I wasn't too. going, okay. You should take that wow. book every day. <laughs> I know. Uh, That's right. right. Good, Good advice. Yeah. Good yeah. advice. Well, Sorry for the interruption. I'm sorry. That's yeah. a sign. Yeah. Maybe we'll like start handing these out to all the people in the in the booths and say, hey, if you guys start reading Isaiah. It's a good pitch. I like it. Hey, it's working. We got invited to come paint up at the ranch. Wow. How cool is that? That's so beautiful. Like, it's just an old avocado ranch. Well, what's the name of the it's ranch? It's so beautiful. It's, yeah. crazy. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I've never been up there. I've never been up there. I've been up there. Well, well, come with us. All right, so we're in Isaiah 6. That was a nice little commercial break Sorry. there. <laughs> no, it's fine. Yes. Totally Wait, fine. John, did you say something about he wanted you to do an album cover? Yeah. Wow. The, kid, the, the, kid, yeah the kid's like, how could it be an oil painting? He, he could do a sailboat like that. Yeah, he bought a sailboat for me and wants me to do something like that for his album with his rock group. I don't get the connection, but that's what he asked for. Because nobody does an oil painting. Well, we to. It's like oh, a cosmic sailboat, awesome. like sailing through space or something. Oh, good. I like that. Thank you. I like it for the clue. love it. I'm sorry. Maybe you can see in the sailboat, you can see, see the... Lord sitting at his throne. Come on, that's not good. <laughs> and blowing the sails. You can't put that all on the little cover. Simplify, yes. simplify, simplify. Yes. Yes. Right. Nope. It's an interesting problem, though. Oh, yes. That'll John, you could do it. Challenge. Challenge. John could do it. Yeah. All right. So, Isaiah 6, we're in Isaiah 6. Um, and we're just starting in verse 1. So, notice, though, that it says that he saw the Lord, but you don't actually see a description of God's face at all. Or it doesn't even say he saw his face, but you get this idea that he sees sees him. He sees this long robe. Um, the word for temple, uh, it's interesting. The word temple is also the same Hebrew word that's used for palace. So when it is of a king that's in his palace, it's the same 
Hebrew word that's used for God when he's at his temple. Because the king in his palace is supposed to be representing God in his temple. Mm-hmm. Okay, And so the words are actually the same. And they'll get translated into palace when you when you um, talk about a king being in his palace. Um, so just sort of a FYI there. And then um, I think everybody would love to see one of these guys one time. Maybe it could be a it could be like a horror movie or something. If you saw above him stood the seraphim. Um, doesn't give a lot of description, but we know it has six wings. And notice again that what the seraphim were doing. They're not looking at the Lord. They're actually they cup their eyes. Cover, yeah, covering themselves. So they're even the seraphim are not looking directly. You don't get an idea. They're even covering themselves because of the glory. I was just saying, it's probably not a good idea. To look directly at God. No, uh, blinding. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. You did, you did. And I, I looked up the creatures in Ezekiel. Oh, you did. Okay. They only Ezekiel. Four, four wings. Tough books. They, um, now, were they called seraphim there or cherubim? No, they weren't. They, they he just said the living creatures. Hmm. Huh. There was four living creatures and. Those are the ones I told you about. One had yeah. a face of man. And yeah, man. yeah, okay. The four different faces. Yeah. So here, these seraphim, I mean, we just know they have six wings. Yeah. He, they take two of their wings and cover their face. Two, they cover, and with two, feet. they covered his feet, which is interesting, like the Lord's feet. And with two, they're flying. They're, they're flying, yeah. Yeah. So, so. Two wings in the middle. Right. And then it says, and one so, called... So when it says uh, it covered mm-hmm. his feet, it wasn't the seraphim's feet? Oh, it might be, sorry. With two he covered his... Yeah, it might be the seraphim's feet. Yeah. But they <laughs> cover their own feet. Yeah, that's what I yeah, thought. Yeah, thank you, Peter. Because they're on holy ground. Yeah, good correction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have really, really, really long wings. <laughs> For sure they are. <laughs> yeah. Especially the ones that fly. Oh, but wait. Oh, yeah, they have six wings. Okay. I got a picture in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and one, and then it says, and one called to another and said, and here we get this just amazing, just like, you know, you can just imagine what <coughs> them saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And may remember, Lord of hosts is also Lord of armies. Armies. Right? armies. Okay. So you're getting the idea of how God is being represented here. The Lord as high and lifted up. He is king over everything, Lord over everything, above everything. I mean, just this exalting of God. And then you have this holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. When you guys think of that word, what, what, did, what, did, what do you think of it? Someone said, what does holy mean? Set apart. Set apart. Pure. Godly. Godly with pure. Okay. Anybody else? When you think of the word holy, what do you what do you think of? What do you think of God? What do, what when you think of God think being of worthy, holy? Also worthy. Worthy. Okay. When you think of God being holy, what, what do you think that I means? I think of like perfect and pure. Like okay. Pure, there's no like uh, dirtiness or like negativity. Okay. Associated. Yeah. All right. The holiness as Love opposed to the sin. As the, hol- the holiness contrasted with the sin. Okay. So right. contrasted with the sin. So the holiness of God, and then it contrasts with the sinfulness of Isaiah and the people. All 
What were you saying, John? You were saying oh, just say love is what I think of. Love, I think of, of holy. Okay. Right. Righteousness. I guess. You played that piece of music last week. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Peterson. Is he worthy? Yeah. And there's the, the piano going. And the question, is he worthy? And that rising chorus behind. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is holy. Yeah. And it, it, has, it feels kind of just see this light, this bright hmm. light when I think of holy. Hmm. And, it, and it also carries uh, authority. Yeah, very good. Carries authority. That's good. Okay. Why three times? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. <laughs> right? Probably not. Yeah, that's what I was But it sounds good. It sounds good to me. At this point, you don't necessarily have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit like sort of revealed here. You could say that. Um, yeah. But it's not something that the Israelites would be thinking at this time in the sense of Father, Son, Holy that's Spirit. That's true. Um, A little too early. But... You have no. okay, but that's three. That's three. One is uh, repetition for emphasis, and then the the numerical significance of three being complete, completeness. Mm-hmm. Ah. Very complete. Very yeah. good, Peter. So, what did you say at the beginning? Repetition for emphasis. Yeah. So what is so? Explanation point. Right. Yeah. Okay. What What do you know about Hebrew with that? About repetition. With the repetition in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you say repetition. Just you just say repetition. Yeah, if you repeatedly say say a word, uh, it increases the meaning okay. of the word. Okay. Right? Like Jesus would say, "Truly, truly, I tell you," or uh-huh. "Verily, verily, I tell you." Yeah. yeah. Right. It's the repetition twice. for the emphasis of the word <clears throat> and the importance of what's being said. Hey, Charles. Charles. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Yeah. Good. Were you going to say something, Steve? We're in Isaiah still, by the way, Charlie. <laughs> Just in case you're wondering. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can guess what. Uh, do, do you need a two? Here. Do you want to? Uh, I, I got this. You good? Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, were you going to say something, Steve? Oh, just uh, interesting. Like, when they say, like, verily, verily, or eat, eat, and then interesting, now it's three. It's mm. going to two times. So what, why do you just say eat, eat? This comes from Genesis where... Uh, wasn't it Genesis? I think it was Genesis. I'm trying to think of the scripture. So... But he would say yeah, eat. You guys are like, wow. Eat. Turn to Genesis, everybody. Open your Bibles now. Turn to Genesis, like what Steve's talking about. this is a Bible. It's like a stick. You want it? I keep thinking this is a Bible because it's so thick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Turn to the front and it's Isaiah. Isaiah All right, so one. turn to Genesis uh, chapter 1. Chapter 1, chapter 2. Sorry, Genesis chapter 2. So thinking about what Steve said, thinking about what Peter just said, thinking like, why are they doing three? Why three? And we, we do, we think of three as complete. But there's something in, the, in Hebrew that there's a reason for you to see this repetition. Um, what verse? So, look at 2.15. What do we do when we want to emphasize something? So, we usually don't say the same word twice, usually, I think. If we want to emphasize something like 
I'm hungry. How do we emphasize that? What do we do in the English language to emphasize something? To emphasize Hmm? Metaphor. Extremely, metaphor. incredibly, very. Uh, what, what are <laughs> yes, the I'm not a linguist. Yeah, see how he's doing that? Yeah. Use adjectives. Yeah. Exactly. Starving. Yeah. Okay. So we will like put something in front of it like I'm very hungry. Okay. So if you take a look in Genesis, look what. Tell me if you, as we read this, tell me where you think there's emphasis. Okay, where where is just in the English text do we see emphasis? So it says, and I'm looking for the command. This is the command, the very first command. This soki that 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 God gives to Adam. All right. So it says the Lord God took the man, Adam, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, So listen to the command. You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Where do we see English emphasizing? Surely. Surely. Mm-hmm. Surely, surely. Surely, surely. Okay, surely. see that? Yeah. So, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden. In Hebrew, what is behind that is the word eat twice. So in Hebrew, when you want to emphasize a word, you say it twice. Okay, Steve picked up that very good memory there, Steve. (laughs) Eat, eat. Eat, eat. So what God is saying here is he's saying in this command to Adam, you may eat, eat of every tree in the garden. In essence, go for it. All right? Mm-hmm. Here's everything God's given you, and just ravish. Go for it. Just take anything you want and eat, eat. Okay? You see the emphasis there? Mm-hmm. So he's saying, eat everything you can. And then he says, but, <laughs> and you can listen, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. Just shall not eat. One tree, don't eat. Why don't you eat it? Because what? <coughs> Surely die. You will die, die. Die, die. <laughs> okay. So that's literally what it says in the Hebrew. It says, you may eat, eat, go for it, every tree in the garden. One tree, don't eat. Because if you do, you will for sure die, die. Yeah. You will die. So in die. Hebrew, they, they repeat it. They literally, if you look at the Hebrew text that God wrote, that Moses wrote here, that Hebrew text shows that same word for eat twice. Do they leave the word Atlanta. surely out? They leave the word surely. No surely. No surely. Just die, die. Eat. So we, if we were to translate that literally, think of how word it would sound. You may eat, eat of every tree of the garden. In English, we would like... What's that? We don't talk that way. So what the what the people here do in translating it is they add an adjective. Surely eat. Okay? You guys follow that? Mm-hmm. Now, how important is it to know that? Well, turn to the next page. Look at Genesis 3. And look at Genesis 3.1. 
And we all know that the serpent was crafty. He's very crafty when it comes to Hebrew, in fact. <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. Because listen to what we just found out. Listen to what the serpent and the woman do to what God commanded. The serpent says, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So, do you see the difference? What is a serpent doing here to God's word, and what is a woman doing to God's word? Adding to it. Eh? Well, he's taking adding away, to it. Taking away one of the dies. He's taking away. That's very good. He's taking away. Well, who's taking away the die? I think both of them, but Satan adds it back on the next line where he says, "You will." I, I would assume you will not, not certainly die. die. You will. You will not die. Die. Very, very good. So you see how the serpent actually negates. The only emphasis here is actually the serpent negating what God actually did say. Mm-hmm. So notice what it says at the beginning, though. You did he, the serpent saying, "Did God? Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Did God say that? No. No. What did God say? You shall." You shall not just eat, but you shall eat, eat. eat. (laughs) So you see the subtlety of Satan here? The serpent is taking and saying, not only is he negating God's word, but he's minimizing this abundance that God created for man. Take it. It's all yours. All of it. Go for it. Eat everything. I've given this to you. It's like grace, right? And the serpent minimizes that. Not only does he negate that, but he minimizes it and just like, you don't eat any fruit in the garden. He spins it. Right. He spins it just a little bit. And the woman falls for it. Yeah. All right? Because what does she do? She answers the serpent back, oh, no, 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 we can eat. But what does she say? She says, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. We may eat. She does not say we may Eat, eat, eat. So now the woman has taken upon it and herself minimized this abundance that God has given. And just, you see the little twisting there? Mm -hmm. And all that little twisting ends up causing her to say, what's the big deal? Have an apple. (laughs) It's not an apple, it's a piece of fruit. We don't know it's an apple, right? And she eats of it. Just a little... Little temp- just a little change there and he starts getting tempted and says I don't really see that abundance of God that has given us to eat everything oh but it's okay to just eat of this one tree so not only does the abundance of God get lowered but that also raises that oh what's the big deal than eating from this tree that I'm not supposed to eat of no big deal and we just sort of flatten everything out anyway it's just sort of interesting to see in that Hebrew it, it's what, how the abundance of grace of God is minimized. Mm-hmm. And I think we do that. <laughs> you know, minimize the grace of God. 
Um, and then we just sort of like, well, God's not really going to do this. or really not going to do that. So if two Hebrew words together means emphasis, what do three? Why would he use three? Holy, holy, holy. And you don't see this very often with three Hebrew words together. Very, very rare. So what do you think the three together mean in Hebrew? Extremely emphasized. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in English. Just like you said, eat, eat, eat. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Like emphasized, I think, yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? What's your thoughts as to why... So in essence, the three together here brings across the point of not just a completeness or an emphasis, but it comes across as an, as an exclusivity. Holy, holy, holy. Only one, one is holy. Only Yahweh, the Lord God of hosts, is holy. The three Hebrew words together emphasize there is only one who is holy. <laughs> only one who sits on the throne. Only one who is the Lord. And so when they're singing that, they're declaring there is no other, no other God, no other one raised up. This is the one and whole, only holy um, when they're singing that word. Mm-hmm. So just a little Hebrew there. <laughs> You just see the, see the emphasis of what's happening there. Any thoughts on... Was holy, holy, holy in, uh, in Revelation 2, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And worthy, worthy, worthy. Worthy, yeah. 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 Endlessly, right? Yeah, yeah. Keep going. Mm-hmm. Unward, unward. <laughs> Never stopping. And then you see it says the whole earth is full of his glory. This is, again, giving this idea, almost like what we just read in Genesis. So we just saw that, hey, God gave us this world that he wants to live with us in. And he's given us this abundance of everything. And so here you see that emphasized here that all of God's creation is the fullness of his glory. That this earth that we live in is supposed to be a reflection of the glory of God. It's his temple. It's where his home is. And as we see in Genesis 1-3, through is where's God? During the whole time the woman's having the conversation with the serpent, where's the man? Just remember again, just so you guys don't ever like blame women. <laughs> where's the man when the woman is talking to the serpent? He's got to be right there. He is right there. He's he right, right there. there. He is just literally right there. Exactly. With her, it says. Now and what, the man was with her, said nothing to this whole thing. You know, and then later <laughs> he, said, he yeah. calls out Adam. God does, but God had to be there too. And God was there. He was there. Oh, yeah. he, he witnessed the whole thing. That's right. Because what is what happens is they go off and they try. They're in shame, right? After yeah, they yeah. sin. Yep. And God calls him. Hello. <laughs> you know. Where are you? And, and where is God? He's right there at the garden. What could the woman have done, and what should the woman and man have done? Stop. Run. <laughs> Run to where? Yeah, just to God. To, to, God. to God, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Hey, yeah. God, can you sort this out for us? The yeah. serpent says yes and no. Can you, like, what <laughs> is said it? They kind of deny it. <laughs> well, they have excuses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like saying, 
Well, let's see what God, let's talk about what God said. And here's the word right here, but we never open it and see what God actually said. Mm-hmm. How many times do we do that? Well, God said this, God said that, and we never actually open it to see what he said. Yeah. So, all right. Um, and then we have the whole, and the foundations and the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And then notice what happened. So now Isaiah comes into the picture. So Isaiah is experiencing all this, and what is Isaiah's response to seeing this holiness of God? What's his response? Yeah, woe is me. Woe is me. But then you go, I mean, the foundations and the thresholds, everything's shaking. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and the smoke. Whew. Yeah. Let alone the vision. That word woe has a meaning in the, um, the Greek New Testament, Greek Old Testament, the Septuagint, stunned. I like that word, actually, a little bit more of a stunned. He was stunned by this. Um, and what's his response? What is, what is Isaiah's response here? Self-consciousness. What do you do when you get into the presence self, of God? Self-realization. Of what? Of your... Unclean. Yeah. Which is which yeah. is interesting to see these holy men. Like Isaiah was was a a holy guy and Daniel and they they're just so undone. Like yeah. these guys and, and yeah, could you imagine what that would be like? Like as us. Like I mean like we're all saints, right. but <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, Pete. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, what's interesting is he says you know, he could say, For I am a man of an unclean heart, right? Or mind mm. or whatever, but he's of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. Yeah. He's focusing on that. That's yeah, interesting. Speech, yeah. Talk. Word. Right. He says he's lost. I mean, he's beckoning to be, uh, I need to be rescued. Mm-hmm. I'm toast. Uh-huh. I'm toast. <laughs> yeah. There's, like, I'm ashes. Yeah. What do I have to bring? Right. There's nothing. Right. Yeah. It's interesting how he identifies with the sins of the people. So it's not the individualistic thinking, which is also Mm -hmm. exactly Daniel's response when he um, prays to the Lord. He confesses his sins and the sins of the people, and he doesn't separate himself from the two. So like we in the West, we've got our individualism, but we can see here that like that's an uh, that's an appropriate response to like enter in and. Um, share with the sins of the environment that you're in, or the people, the people that you're in. Outside, like yeah, very good. And that's exactly what's going on here. Is Isaiah's taking upon and seeing that he is part of this whole community. Yeah, good man. Of unclean lips. Right. Um, I think it goes he takes hand upon in hand, hand with um, all the fallen short of the glory of God. So I think that's. The, mo- the most natural response when you're in his presence yeah. is like probably all your sins are just like on the big screen. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, oh, 
Either, yeah, I, I remember well, someone saying, I'm is, not it, that bad, no. is it that, yeah, I wonder sometimes, I remember, oh, I remember all the way back when I was first saved at the church I was going to, and that was almost like, felt like a big guilt thing. It's like, you know, God's going to display on this big screen right here all of your sins. <laughs> and I'm wondering now, based on like reading this, maybe that's really not what he's going to do. Maybe what he's going to do is let us see his glory. Exactly. And see his presence and see his holiness. Right. And if we experience that, we automatically say, I'm unclean. Yeah. So nobody's going to shout it from the rooftop. Right. Or they'll give us a delete button. It'll be burned up in the fire. Permanently erased. Only what remains is, you know, the good stuff. Yeah. I think also, though, the whole thing of like identifying the sins of the people, like it goes back to like God saying, like, wanting us to understand him with his heart. And like, if if we really have a relationship, like if I have a relationship with Steve and someone's doing things to hurt him, which that's ultimately what sin does. It's going against what God does and hurting him. If someone just does all these things to Steve all the time, I'm not going to go, oh, whatever, it's not me doing it, whatever. Like, right. I'm obviously going to have some feeling and some anger towards those people and like, comfort my friend. And like, Also, like if we're letting people do that, someone take responsibility. Like, If someone's hurting someone we're in a relationship with, yeah. we, we should just be standing there and oh, whatever. Yeah. It's not mm-hmm. me doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the other interesting thing is like God declares, uh, well, He makes He makes a means of atoning for mm-hmm. for Isaiah's sin, but He kind of He kind of declares him righteous. You know, so Isaiah's self-assessment is yes. much worse than God's assessment of him, I guess. And yeah. obviously, He makes. But who responds? Of the nation of Israel responding? No, Isaiah is like taking upon. Yeah. That's not familiar. Like, who did that? Took a Christ. Takes upon the sins, yeah, right? right? The sins yeah. of the people. Okay. And what is the response then? Because he recognizes fully who God is, who he is, and I love what you just said, Peter, just and sees then how he is part of this people and takes upon that from them. What's the response of God to his? Realization of who he is before God and his people. What what happens then? What is God? What's the response now? Something that is also very stunning. Yes. Incredibly so. Yes. Yeah. In addition it, to what you're alluding to, which is this great. It's a grace thing. Uh huh. It is the a grace very thing. idea that the Maker of all things and this stunning uh, illustration mm-hmm. is then like moving toward. The, the creature Isaiah, the creation, mm-hmm. the created thing, as as willing as that heart of Isaiah is to want to live in worship to the Almighty, um, he he is stating his case. What do I have to bring? And yet, here in the glory of all this, this uh, seraphim. seraphim mm-hmm. This would in Ezekiel, living creature. Living creature. Yeah, this being, yeah. a representative of God, yeah, right. is coming toward this creation, uh-huh. Isaiah. And, uh, you know, it's like, this stuff's happening. Totally. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the mouth, but it's yeah. all of him. Right. Just searing yeah. imagery. 
And I think lips here, we talk about the mouth and lips, that's representing really that whole person. And, and, and we've seen what all the sins, we've seen all these woes through Isaiah here so far, and what the people have been doing. Yeah. Okay. Um, were you going to say something? Oh, yeah, I was going to say with the admission of his guilt, yes. then comes atonement. Very good. Right. It's humility. You know, yeah. it's his humility. He just thing yeah. realizes, you know, that hey, I'm not worthy of anything. You know, I should just <coughs> God. That's what God wants from us. Right. You know, that same humility. Exactly. Is, you know. So if he does that, and what ends up happening? <laughs> his what? What does God do in that? With all that sin, God does what? Comes into Isaiah, who's taken upon this himself, yeah. and now. He atones for his sins. Your guilt is, I mean, is that like the the crux of the entire scripture? Is your guilt is taken away of what Christ (coughs) did on the cross and your sin atoned for? What do you think the significance of the the burning coal is? Hmm. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I was reading... Some different stuff about that. I, I, I don't know. I don't think I really would say. Out of it, fire, tends to be something that purifies, right? So in a sense, the coal could represent fire, and the ability to cleanse, you know, sin. Yep. Um, I always thought yeah. that was prophetic of Christ from the very first time I read that. And the it coal, is. the burning coal. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. My mind goes to the the seven golden lampstands mm. in um, the book of Revelation and the incense on the altar, which is symbolic of the pray of prayer, mm-hmm. like the prayer of, of yeah, yeah, the smoke from the incense, the many prayers. All right, so. How many times do you think the word... So there we have sin atoned for. Okay, and anybody know what the meaning of atone is? Your atonement, atone. Remove. It literally remove. means at one minute. At one minute. <laughs> that is yeah. the actual yeah. literal meaning of it. Forgiven. Yeah. Say that again, Peter. The the word Forgiven. atonement is is a literal word. So it it is at one minute, and that, that's what it means, at one minute. So, like, uh, reconciliation, but that is the literal... I, what the Hebrew word is for what they translate to atonement, I'd be interested to it's see. Kafar. It's kafar. It's kafar. Yeah, it's okay. a, So... I, I got... the King, Interesting, the King yeah. James uses the word purge. Huh. Yeah. But it is still kafar. Yeah, it's kafar. Yeah. So how many times do you think... And if your says don't say it, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How many times do you think atone... So who do we associate atonement with ultimately? Jesus. Jesus. Okay. How many times do you think atone, kafar, is mentioned in the Old Testament? I would say a hundred. Not quite. That's not bad. (laughs) Do we hear? (laughs) How many times do you think? A hundred. A hundred. You're close enough. 103 times. Okay. Oh, wow. 103 yeah. times. <laughs> I know it's a lot. You'll get the other lollipop that I have yeah, downstairs. Yeah, that was yeah. Um, okay, how many times do you think atone, atone, atonement is mentioned in the New Testament? 
Mm. More than a hundred. <laughs> less. No, yeah, less. It's got to be less because it's five. a lot, though. I hear five. Thirty. <laughs> I couldn't even guess. It'd be a total guess. Zero. Zero times. Whoops. Yeah. Wow. Atone? The word atone is never wrong. mentioned in the New Testament. What would the Greek equivalent be? And the Greek equivalent, which is in the Septuagint, so I don't, yeah. I don't have that written down. So there is, so in the Septuagint, again, remember the Septuagint is a Greek New Testament, I mean Old Testament, okay? Yeah. So that's one of the things you would do, is you'd want to say, okay, let's go see what the Septuagint <coughs> translated kafar into Greek. Into, yeah. And guess what? It is the same word used pretty much at 103 times. I think 100 times. It's translated with the same Greek word. Yeah. That means that. And that, that word is, word not is, in is the New never Testament. used in the New Testament. Atonement's actually used once in the, in the New Testament. It's not. Yeah. Well, the King James. Uses. Well, the King James. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. So to make means, it now you're cheating. Which means kind of. So I'll just, you know, this is for your own, we're not going to go over it right now, but this is just for your own light reading. This is from John Piper, actually. He um, he actually answers the question, why is a tone not mentioned in the New Testament? So you guys can read it. We're not going to read it right now. I'm not going to go over it right now, but just if you want to read about more about it, you guys can do that. So just sort of interest. It is interesting. I didn't know that. I actually went and looked and go, oh, a tone. Where do I see that in the New Testament? Like, I don't find them going, wait a minute. And then I looked it up, and John Piper has an answer. <laughs> so he talks about it there. So you guys can read more about that. Yeah, sort of interesting. All right. So here we go, guys. You ready? <laughs> and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And Isaiah raises his hand, okay, after being completely atoned for his sins and guilt taken away. Here I am, send me, without having any clue what God is going to happen to. <laughs> okay, I mean, it's like, think twice. Nope, he doesn't. And he just says, send me, God. And he says, and then God says, go and say to this people. The very first words out of God's mouth for Isaiah to go tell the people is this famous passage, Isaiah 6, 9-10. And he says, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. What does that mean? There, are, I have three books that are written just about those two verses. I don't know if there's any more books written <laughs> about two verses in Scripture than Isaiah 6, 9 through 10. And there are hundreds and hundreds of articles written about this. I mean, this is, and as I said before, this passage is so key and instrumental to Isaiah, to the Old Testament, and to the New Testament, and I would say to our lives. So we're going to spend a little time taking a look and saying, what in the heck is being talked about here? 
because you read that and you go, I remember Peter. I remember Peter um, what many, 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 many weeks ago, I don't know, probably week two, three, when you, you came that time, and I will never forget you. We got into that discussion about what does this mean? I think, Jason, you've asked a couple times, what does this mean? <laughs> Make the heart of those people dull. What is God doing here? Okay. No, I didn't say that. You might not have said that. No. <clears throat> what do you guys think is going on here? What do you mean, what's going on? Do you want some orthodox answers? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, what does this mean? I mean, I look at this and I go, what is happening here? What What? What is it that uh, uh, God well, is when telling When I first read it, I thought, what well, is this self-evident? What's the big deal? What is self-evident? What he's saying here about uh-huh. understanding with your heart uh-huh. after searching, seeing with your eyes and hearing with your ears, and then you understand with your heart and you're healed. That's that's obvious. <laughs> but that's obvious, true. Yeah, I agree. But what is Isaiah? Why why is God telling Isaiah? Listen to what God's doing. He's telling Isaiah could go tell the people. <laughs> sure, as if they're going to get it. Right. Well, As if they're going to get it. Yeah. They're they're not. Go tell them. Go tell them something that they will not understand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So what's the point of telling them if they will not understand? It's like exactly. Uh, right. Yeah. It's like That's tre- why what sounds so simple. It's like a treasure map. They're going to figure this out. They're going to figure this out. A riddle, right? Yeah. Why? Why riddle is God is. saying? I mean, if I came up to you, I mean, if if someone's preaching. Yeah. Okay. You would expect someone to say, you know, hear God's word, you know, understand it with your heart. You wouldn't be expecting hear someone if Jeff got up and started preaching yeah, and said, you know, you guys keep on hearing, but don't understand God's word. But Jesus don't see Jesus. Jesus did the same thing with his parables because he said the reason why he spoke in parables was so that they would not understand. Uh-huh. Well, well Jesus but, but spoke to them in people parables. who would understand. And he, would and he explained it to his disciples. But he's like, <laughs> why do you speak to why do you speak to them in parables? And it's like so they won't understand, but it's it it's a power. Does that make sense? <laughs> kind of. It does. It, to me it does. Okay. Think, yeah, to me it does. Doesn't uh, it wasn't it for the purpose of the Gentiles that come in? Because when you put it in the form of a story, people get the story. I, yeah. They may not get I the message, that, but at least yeah. they, they have to, yeah. that's the start. Yeah. They press in. Yeah. They have to press in to all of this to kind of eat, eat to get the flesh of it uh-huh. to really figure out even the foundations of what is this message. It, it's not like a, a drive-by or a fly-by. It's <laughs> fly-by yeah. They have to Get into this. Okay. Yeah, and that, I think that's important. Like, some do understand. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, well, like, I think even like when Jesus quotes this, mm-hmm. that's like I think that's John's follow-up. When some did, uh huh. Even some Pharisees got it. Yeah. Right. But so you like, it, it's kind of like you're you're speaking these words. It's not the word like the words don't have impact, and yet like you're saying. God's plan is going to carry out, right? Right. Meaning you get this sort of inevitability of like, Jesus has to go to the cross. Mm. And yet this is still being offered. And there's even some that are saying yes. And yet Uh God will see this through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They couldn't couldn't accept Christ without the cross that that 
was the plan, right? So you see, yeah. like a sovereignty yeah. at work yeah. there. That yeah, the divine foreknowledge, uh-huh. the sovereignty, God's plan. God has a plan. Yeah. So what's his, what's what's his plan here? He's telling Isaiah his to plan? go say, make the heart of this people, in essence, dull, fat. Make it so they can't hear. Make it so their ears are heavy, meaning they can't hear. Make it so their eyes are blind. Make it so they do not perceive. Why is why is God telling Isaiah, go tell the people this? What what's going on with the people? Why is he doing that? The, aren't the people the people are pretty much stuck. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Or the, they stuck with stuck with the veil. And Moses. Okay. Right. They didn't. I don't know. Was it because <laughs> they stood at the mount and said, "You go up there. We don't want to see or hear from God anymore. Huh. You be okay. our spokesman." All right. Okay. That's a I just think God is frustrated and just telling them, <laughs> you know what? I don't care what you tell them. Tell them. T- tell them. You know what? Just, just what he's saying right there. You know, and that. Uh, uh, if I told them the truth, they're not going to believe it anyway. You know. And so okay, so if I tell them the truth, they want to believe it. Anyway. So what? Why? What is the problem with the people? Why they is God having to do this to the people? Well, the people are jaded, and the statement almost sounds like it could be jaded, but God's not jaded. Okay. Yeah. The people are unrighteous. The people yeah. are unfaithful. Yeah, they're everything. Okay. They don't Bad. have a relationship with God. All right. That's the main thing. And doesn't it feel? I I always think of this in light of like Romans, where he hands them over, mm. right? Like mm. he hands them over to their depravity. It's like God hits this point where he goes, "I'm done." Yeah, right. I'm over it. Right. This, <laughs> okay, that's good. Yeah. So he hands them over to the depravity. So there's a judgment going on here. Right. Absolutely. Or even like God's been mercifully holding back the judgment, and, and now some point like, goes. Okay. Yeah. Well, he had, hadn't they been killing the prophets all along? Those. Those right, whom he those whom he loves he chastens. Yeah. yeah. So so part of part is a disciplinary action because he loves Israel as his child, mm-hmm. right? And no discipline would be not love mm-hmm. in a particular situation. So this language of hearing, seeing, understanding, anybody have it? That points to the sin that that is actually the sin that's going on with the people. Does anybody know what that sin is? There's a specific sin that this refers to that is used. This language... So if you want to try to understand something in Scripture, you don't understand it. Speaking of understanding. You go and you try to look like, where is this language used before? Used? Where is this language of hearing and seeing and not seeing and not hearing and not understanding? What is that language referring to? Because it points to actually what is the sin of Israel. Rebellion. Okay, rebellion. Their lack of atonement, their lack of of connection with their relationship with God. They aren't in relationship with the Father. Are they in relationship with something else? Yes, idols. Big time. Yeah, exactly. The the idols. uh, All right. That which they created with their own hands. This whole book. Just talks about over and over and over and over again. So I want you to turn to Isaiah 44 because what's interesting is this passage right here, this hearing, understanding, not perceiving, not seeing, this language, you will see actually throughout Isaiah. Jason just said that. All right? 
Um, I want you to turn to Isaiah 44. It's just This is just one example. But what's interesting is we hear it here in Isaiah 6, but we're going to see a sort of flooding. Page through. 2 of 38. Um, yeah. yeah, so Isaiah, yeah, 238. Thank you. And then I want you to go one more page over to 240. Verse, what verse? So start. I'm going to start at verse 8. So I want you to listen to this, listen for this language of hearing and seeing and not understanding. And remember that perceive is a word yada, which means know or knowledge. All right. So listen, listen yada now. Means no? Not, per, pardon me? Perceive, the word oh. perceive here, if you look in Isaiah 6, 9 through 10. It says, but do not perceive. Remember we talked about at the very beginning of Isaiah about he wants his people to know him. Hmm. That word know is yada. Okay. And that's actually the word perceive here. So the idea of K-N-O-W. knowing. Yeah, K-N-O-W thing. <laughs> not okay. know like. No. <laughs> very Thank good. You. Thank you, John. So I want you to listen to this. It will be read through it. Moses says, well, I'm going to just start at verse 8. Fear not, nor be afraid. Haven't I told you from old and declared it? Are you my witnesses? Is there a God besides me? There's God, that holy, holy, holy we talked about. There's only one God, no other. All right? Mm-hmm. There is no rock. Can't be. Okay? I know not any. And then it says, all who fashion idols are nothing. Mm-hmm. And the things they delight in do not profit. Mm-hmm. Their witnesses neither see nor know that they may be put to shame. Who fashions a god or casts an idol that is profitable for nothing? Behold, all his companions shall be put to shame, and the craftsmen are only human. Let them all assemble. Let them stand forth. They shall be terrified. They shall be put to shame together. And then turn, just as we know to read the, turn to the next page in verse 18. Look what it says in verse 18. Then it says, They know not, these are the people who make idols and worship idols, nor do they discern, for he has shut their eyes. Does that sound familiar with what we're reading in Isaiah 6, 9 through 10? So they cannot see, and their hearts, so they cannot understand. No one considers, nor is there knowledge or discernment of to say, Half of it I burned in the fire. I also bake bread on its coals. I toast meat in a V-ten. And shall I make the rest of it an abomination? Shall I fall down before the block of wood? He feeds on ashes. A deluded heart has led him astray. He cannot deliver himself or say, Is there not a lie in my right hand? So you see what's being talked about here? The idea of making idols and the idea of worshiping idols. Okay? So, notice in verse 9 that all who fashion idols, so those who actually make the idols, are what? (laughs) They're nothing. Right. All right? And the things they delight in do not profit. So the things, the people who are making these idols, which is, and all of Israel and Israel's worshiping these things, there's no profit to them. They're made out of nothing. But notice that it says their witnesses. The witnesses here are the actual idols. <laughs> so they make these idols, all right, 
And these idols neither, what do idols do? They neither see nor know. Okay? So what does an idol know or see? Nothing. 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 Okay? Um, so that's what an idol doesn't see or know. But now if you go back to verse 18, notice what it says. It says, they, meaning the people who make the idols again, they know not, nor do they discern. For he has shut their eyes so they cannot see, and their hearts so they cannot understand. What is God doing to the people who make the idols? What's the description of the idols that God's using? What what can those idols do? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Profitless. Profitless. And they and what can they use in their five five senses? Can they see? Can no. they hear? No. No. It's a rock. Right. Okay. <laughs> and those who worship them will become like them. Yeah. Where is that from, Peter? I can Google it. I was about to. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are one step ahead of me tonight. I love it. One step ahead. So did you hear what he just said? Yeah. Yeah. What's the problem with with I making idols and worshiping idols? They become like them. So turn to Psalm 115. So this is said in two places, Psalm 115 and 135. Psalm what? Psalm 115. Psalm 115, 8. Psalm 135:18. Yep, yep. So now listen to the language again. Going back to Isaiah 6, 9 to 10. Listen to the language that's used here. So Isaiah, I mean, uh, Psalm 115. I'll start at verse 4. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel. Feet, but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. So think back to Isaiah. Isaiah saying, you're not hearing, you're not seeing, you're not understanding or knowing me. What is that a description of? Mm. It's a description of what the idols are. Ignorance of idols. Right. So you make, man makes these idols... (laughs) Yeah. All right, and then they worship them, and, and then they worship foolish. them, and yeah. they what? Trust in them. And then what happens? Those who make them in verse eight become just like them. like foolish them. as the idols are. Exactly. So do all who trust in them. So what happens when you make an idol? It cannot see. It cannot understand. It cannot hear. It's nothing. And what do you become when you worship that? Not a, a successful idol worshiper. <laughs> <laughs> if you make them, you might make a little bit of a man, man makes God in his image and becomes nothing. Yeah. Oh, God. Instead of it's, being, and idols being good. made in the image and of God. God. No, right. Exactly. So you see what's happening here? Think about the mission of our church. <clears throat> So the, anybody does anybody know the vision of our church? No, I haven't read it lately. To be like, more like Jesus. Yeah, very good. To become like 
Jesus become like Christ for the sake okay. of others. For the sake of others. Very good. Very good, Chad. Yeah. Become like who? Christ. <laughs> who do we worship? Christ. If we worship Christ, then we are going to become like him. But what happens when we worship anything else that is the created, we become, not the creator? We become like it. We become like it. Very good. So do you see? Why is that? Anybody know why? Why? What is it about what God has done in creating us that it, we, the thing we worship, we become like? We're made to worship. We are made to worship. And we are made in His image. We are made yeah. in His image. We are made to worship Him and trust Him. So in Genesis 1:27, what it says: "And God created us in His." Image, in the image of God, He created him. That word "image" is so key. It starts right out in Genesis one, because what is an image? When God says, "I've created you in My image," what is an image supposed to do? It's supposed to represent that for which is an image of. Exactly. It's like a reflection of. Huh? It's like a reflection of. Yeah. We were actually created to be that. So, in fact, someone says, if you guys, you know, like you see in a city, or you go in the city, um, and I don't, know, I don't know, we probably have them here, I don't know, Boston has that, right? You, or you have all the roads that lead into the center of the town, mm-hmm. and the center of the town is what? A statue. Yeah. Right. And that statue represents <laughs> what? The person who founded the town, or something like that, right? <laughs> Sorry. But that statue is an image of that person, and everything sort of, you know, reflects from that outwards. Okay, everyone who goes into the city knows here's, you know, here's what founded the city, so it's a reflection of it exactly. It's interesting. So we become a reflection then of whatever we worship. Yes. It's, it's, there we go. We're going to have fun for a moment. It sure does. We're going to have fun. Okay, here we go. Do not, do not do anything with this. Okay, you guys, everyone has to hear instructions now. Don't do anything with this. Don't do anything with it. Everyone wants to get away from Okay, don't do anything with it. Don't, don't do anything with this. Don't do anything with it. Just hold it in your hand right now. Is this a credit card? Sorry, Jeff, but there goes our budget. Something's it's worth it. Better yeah. be worth it. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> make a judgment after you. It's not a chocolate. It's going to be good. All right. So what? Without you doing anything with it, what did I just hand you? It looks like a new flip board. phone. It looks like what? A new flip phone. It don't do anything with it. It looks like a flip phone. What is it? A really small clipboard. A small clipboard. It's an idol. <laughs> it's an idol. <laughs> Very good. It's not a credit card. It's not a credit it's a card. card. <laughs> it's compact. It's a Zoolander phone. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, so what I want you to do with it's it, I want you to open it up and tell me what it is. It's a mirror. It's a mirror. Very good. Oh, my God. There it is. There's the reflection. Oh. Uh, 
Okay, so now <laughs> what do you guys? I see everyone like. Look, okay, look, look at Charlie over there. Sob. That happen. There's a reason we don't have mirrors in my house. <laughs> All right. Talk about unclean. So what do we use this for? What do you? What do we use this for? Vanity. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, vanity. Well, yeah. But so what? Well, you're doing a pretty, pretty good job with her, Charlie. You're like, oh, look at me. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad so we can see an image of herself. Right. Okay. And why do you want to? Why do you want to? Why do you want to see an image of yourself? Why? Just make your nose normal. Make sure you don't have spinach in your no teeth. No weird hairs. Am I proper? If you're going to work, you want to make sure yeah. that you're groomed. Am I acceptable? Yeah. Okay. You think? If, right. You think if only I really knew what Jesus looked like, <laughs> <laughs> then this would come in handy. There you go. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's. And why do you say that? Why would this come in handy if you only knew what Jesus looked like? Because I'd want to be like Christ. Okay. All right. Now, of course. There's a reason that we don't. <laughs> All right. So I want you to notice, like, go ahead, Charlie. Look, um, look yes. at yourself again. You do a really good job at that. Very yeah, good. Right. Very good. Okay. Done it before. Yeah. <laughs> well shaven. Very nice. I just did that. That's good. It's fresh. All right. When you look at Charlie, what do you see Charlie doing right now? Admiring. Admiring who? Admiring himself. Right. Okay. So he's and looking at himself. Very good. Very good. Okay. Now, notice where all of you have this mirror. You all have in your hand. Well, some of you do. Come on, Steve. You look beautiful. Just go ahead and handsome guy. You know, look at yourself in the mirror. I opened it up. I didn't realize yeah. my head was so big. It doesn't really. Yeah. So, based on what we just we're learning and reading and what is said in the Psalms. What is this? Mirror. Reflection. We have it sitting out here. An image bearer. It's an image. So, what is this mirror? Who is this mirror? It's a mirror of ourselves. It's an image That's of God. God. Okay. So, who is this? Who is supposed to be this mirror? God. Correct. Whoever's holding it. What? Whoever's holding it. Yes. Okay. So we were creating the image to do what? To reflect God. God. Yes. So you notice how we're all holding it like this? Yeah. We were made in the image of God to not be like this. We're made in the image of God to be the actual mirror. That reflects. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's. Do, does that make sense? Yeah. We are the ones uh-huh. who are supposed to be reflecting. The mirror is that's us. Mirror. Okay. Right. We are mirrors. We should be. Yeah. We should. Well, oh, according no. to scripture, we are mirrors. Okay. We're created that way. We are created as reflectors of, yeah. of in an image. We but whatever reflect. we worship, we're mirrors of. Very good. There you okay. Go. Now you're talking. So now the question is, when I look at you, I am looking not just at Steve, but I'm really looking at saying, what is Steve reflecting? He is a mirror. Each one of you are mirrors. Mm-hmm. And when people look at you, 
they are looking and saying, what is he reflecting? Have you ever thought of that for yourself? Wow. That's, That's a great cool. way to think about it. If someone looks at you, think of the fact that you've got this mirror here, and they're looking in this mirror. So, what did the people of Israel do? Okay. They were mirrors, right? They came down, you know, after Moses, okay, and everything. What happens when Moses is up on the mountain? Moses comes down, and he finds all the people are doing what? Dancing around they have melted made, all their bling. What have they made idols of? Cow. Cow. Oh, yeah. yeah, okay. Ooh. They might made images like this. And so when God looks at them, when Moses looks at them, they are all mirrors, right? What are they reflecting? Yeah, cow. They're reflecting Nonsense. Yeah. the yeah. cow. They're reflecting the cow. Yeah, so why did they pick the cow, by the way? Something that is <laughs> dead, <laughs> leading to the dead. They're reflecting yeah. the image of what? They're probably missing yogurt. Yeah, they're right. reflecting, <laughs> what are they reflecting the image of? False idol. The false idol. That's right. They're reflecting the image of what they are. Of nothingness. Nothingness. Well, that's what they are. Well, that's the image they're reflecting as well. And they made it. Which is fascinating. They made it, so that means... They are... That's right. So they're reflecting it. Yeah. Hmm. And back to 6, 9 through 11. It's... that's what's being said. It, it is. So, He's being precisely saying this, so much, this yeah. people. So I want you to think for yourselves right now. When people look at you, yeah. what do they right? see? What did they see? It's what are you oh, reflecting? It's very profound. You know, you know, it's interesting. You guys remember that little mirror trick? <laughs> so what wife. do we do? The little <laughs> mirror this. trick where we sit there and I'm like looking in the mirror, right? Uh-huh. But if I'm a mirror and I'm looking in the mirror, what do I end up seeing? This repeating image over and over again, oh, yeah. forever and ever. I'm yeah. just focused on only seeing myself repeat myself over and over again. But so, if people are looking at you, what are you reflecting? And how do you know what you're reflecting? (laughs) By the responses to what you're saying and doing. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Where is your relationship? Where is your relationship? What do you worship? What's your relationship? Exactly. Exactly. You worship money? You're reflecting money. Yeah, exactly. My Ferrari? Yeah. Reflecting my Ferrari. Hey, yeah, my Ferrari. No, I don't yeah. know. Don't you think Paul would say, like, glory? It is. Yeah. In fact, glory is very, is very one of the words that's used here. Is, is, so what are you reflecting? You're supposed to be reflecting what? The glory of, glory of God. Of God. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. But yeah. what what's happening here is, so we got to the one point, and I think you're leading back to Isaiah 6 9. So think of this. If you guys got to think just and just consider, look at your lives mm-hmm. and think, if I was to ask the person closest to me who looks at me the most, what do they see? Yeah. What does my life and what I do and talk about reflect what I worship? Uh-huh. Yeah. You'd be surprised to get yeah, the answer. Yeah. And how easy it is for us to worship the, like, I mean, I'll use an example. I remember that I was struggling with this when all the political stuff's going on, right? What do you do? You start watching news. Okay? Whatever channel. You start watching some news. No thanks. And pretty soon you're listening <laughs> to that news, 
and all of a sudden you're talking about the news, yeah. and you're thinking about the news, mm-hmm. and you're talking to others about the news, and what are you reflecting? News, <laughs> whatever it is to other people. It becomes that thing you trust, or the thing you put your hope in, or the thing you fear. It becomes your all-consuming, this is what I'm focused on, this is what I'm worshiping. We've noticed Even though you never think you worship news, but that becomes the thing that consumes you. Yeah. And you start, other people go, wow, that's all Greg talks about is what was on Fox or CNN or whatever it is, right? And that's all you hear someone talking about. So it's just it's thinking about, like, if someone look at your life and you, you ask your wife if you're married, and you go, honey, what do I focus on? Mm-hmm. Well, most of your wives, you don't have to ask that question because they just <laughs> tell us at all the time, right? <laughs> but they're like, they're like our people who, they're like God to us, who can sit there and say, oh, maybe I'm focusing a little bit too much on this right now. Mm-hmm. What am I you're, idolizing? Really you can see in our house, if we're watching something, we start acting... Mm-hmm. Exactly yeah. what Very like there and seems like everything's an argument when you Rebel. watch TV now, right? Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden you just see it. Somebody starts it, and then it just gets snowballing, and pretty we're all acting horrible. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta watch I Love Lucy. Or the Beverly Hillbillies or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I looked up the image. Yeah. Uh huh. And the Greeks. Seriously. Here's look it up. Selem, Selem. Mm-hmm. And one of the words it uses is representative. Yeah, there you go. Like that's what we are, representatives of God. Right. We're made in His image. So we we are actually representing Him. So. Mm-hmm. Right. You, when you explain the whole concept of the expectation of a king, mm-hmm. which is to effectively be God on earth, Right, right. Like the weight of that was just mind blowing. It's like, whoa, and then. Yeah, a king is sort of a dual thing. He's mirroring, supposed to be mirroring God, right. right? And he is responsible for the reflection of what his people are imaging from him. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's where I was, I was just using that with somebody today, that Daniel, or David, excuse me. I'm like, David, the greatest king ever of all time. Why was he so fantastic? Because he'd be toweling off from a shower going, Father, where are you? What's going on, man? I, I'm not feeling you. Yeah. Right? You? There wasn't a, a moment 24-7 that he wasn't wise enough to know. He couldn't make a single decision or movement without his father. Yeah. And when he did? Yes, of course. Right. Yeah. yeah. And right. Ultimate. <laughs> and what did he do? His mirror... <sighs> And you see how hard that is? It's really easy. You think about why we're so critical, easy to be critical of others, but it's so easy for me to look at, you know, Jeff and just see what he's, you know, imaging and criticize it or whatever I want to do with it because I can see that and I see that being reflected. What's really hard is to see what I'm reflecting. Oh, yeah. Certainly. Be honest about it. Yeah. Ooh, it's hard. Which is why you go back to Isaiah 6, 9 through 10, all right, and here's where the dinger is of what God's doing in 6, 9 through 10. He's saying you become, like Peter, which is really good you heard that, you become what you worship, but mm-hmm. something worse happens. Because what you're worshiping can't see or hear or understand, right? Whatever it is, even think TV, like I said, an example. TV doesn't 
I mean, it, I hear and all that type of stuff, but it, what? It's not a being, okay? It's not something I can worship. But something happens here in God's. It goes back to what Jeff said in Romans about God's God's judgment that happens. So here's the hard part. Remember that Israel. You have to always keep this in mind. Israel were people who believed in Yahweh, followed Yahweh, okay? But they also played with idols. And you saw how fast they did that. So in our vernacular, (laughs) all right, we are are Christians who follow Christ. But what are we imaging? And the problem is, can we see what we are imaging? Because what's happening in Isaiah 6, 9 through 10 is the judgment that happens, it goes back to Romans, what happened you see in Romans, is that those who start to, those who idolize and worship and revere something of the created and not the creator, the judgment upon them ends up being that they're blinded to the fact that they cannot see and hear and understand. So I don't even, this is a danger, I don't even know that I can't. I think I'm still a Christian. I think I still worship God. I think I go to church. I think I, all these things. Mm -hmm. But my own worship even idol, the judgment that sort of comes back is I don't just become like that idol, but I'm now blinded to actually God and what he's doing. I don't hear him. I don't see him. I think I do, but I don't. I might throw him into these things, and I might say different verses, and I might talk all the Christianese, but I'm actually worshiping something else. And part of that worshiping of that other thing, I not only become like that, but I end up becoming blind to that I am even become like that. I become blind to even seeing that I am worshiping an idol. Mm-hmm. That's the danger. All of us. That's why we need each other. Yeah. All of us fall into and can fall into mm-hmm. so easily, and we don't see it. Mm-hmm. And you see in Isaiah, that's sort of the judgment that happens in Isaiah six nine through ten, where he says, "Make this people their heart dull that they cannot see." It's because they've already become like the idol, and the judgment is now they they're blind to their them their ability to even see that they're worshiping idols. <laughs> That's where it gets dangerous. Does that make sense? It sure mm-hmm. does. It's profound. Yeah. It makes what? too much sense. Is, is, is the <laughs> it's scary. I, I think it all, all of my idols. What's, what's the difference between Christians today and the Israelites? That we now have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which wasn't a ubiquitous thing back then. I mean, it seems like some did. Prophets, King right, David, things right. like that, but it wasn't a universal thing. There was still the Holy of Holies. We have permanent atonement. <laughs> yeah. Using scripture, we're right? Looking, Our sins are fully looking forgiven. Looking back to the atonement versus moving forward. Right. right. But it seems freedom. like there, there's an equivalent warning to the church yeah. at large uh-huh. in the book of Revelation, the different churches and the warnings yeah. of Christ you, yeah, to exactly. either, uh, go right down you know, the line. there's commendation and then also warning. Yeah. I think when when Jesus addresses this passage, the blindness he's referring to is their fear of the Pharisees. And, and I think he says they fear the glory of men, not the glory of God. Right? But it wasn't yeah, the blindness yeah. of the Pharisees themselves? What? 
But I think it yeah. was the fear. Mm-hmm. I think as they saw the truth, I think their fear was, what are the Pharisees? Are we going to get kicked out? They were afraid of getting kicked out of the church. Yeah, right? So who, were they, who, were they, who were the Pharisees were afraid of losing losing the authority that Rome gave them? Their position. Sure. Or the authority with the people. Because with the people, now what are yeah. they idolizing? Their own power. What are the people idolizing? Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to see this the next week, actually. Mm-hmm. We're going to actually answer it mm-hmm. in part your question next week. Okay. It's to look at that and say... Now we've seen this in light of Isaiah. Right. What does this mean in light of us? And we're going to look and see how this passage is used in Matthew and a couple of different places to sort of get, sort of address that. So that you just introduced, like, that's what we're going to focus on next week. Well, look at how this passage applies more directly to us today. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, yeah. to, you know, when you bring up Revelation and you bring up these idols, it's like you've left your first love, right? How yeah. easy is it? to get caught up in an image or something and before you know it you're just you're no longer with them right and you wonder why it's so hard to get through to someone who you see is formed their own idols in the world and you go to them and they do not see what they have which means also we have to look at ourselves and say are we doing that of course, we, we all are. And then, if you're doing your that, brother. you need to make sure you don't have a plank in your eye when you're pointing the right. speck in your brother's eye. <laughs> right. Exactly. I always well, say we a log. Well, right. you can pretty much count on the fact that you do. And so next week, I want to address that too. What do we do to always keep in check for ourselves and with each other to make sure we are not worshiping and reflecting that? So I'm going to leave you guys with a passage, um, which is sort of the answer to this, in a, in a sense, as to what, what are we supposed to be reflecting? It's 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. I'm going to just read part of it. Um, whenever a person turns to the Lord, so remember how it says in Isaiah here, what's the, what's the answer? Turn. Turn. And you, your heart will be healed, right? So there's there's part of what we have to do. So it says, whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And then it says, we all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. That is what we're supposed to be as Christians, as people who reflect that image of the Lord. That's what this this mirror is not to be going like this, <laughs> right? And the mirror is not to be reflecting what's going on in the world, but the mirror is to be we looking up at the Lord, turning to Him, and then we reflect to the world that image of Christ. Amen. Mm-hmm. That glory. So, as you guys going home, second you don't have to do this right now. Was that? Second there it is right there. Okay. So you guys can put this on your mirror. Is the verse? Okay. Yeah. You can put that on your mirror that I gave you, and you can take your mirror around. Put it on my wife can answer. <laughs> put it on this mirror. <laughs> and if you um, just in case, for those of you who haven't used these before, because these are really nice, you go like this. You split it in half. And then it just tears off. You don't have to try to get... Um, it should do that, right? Okay. Yeah, it should uh, just come off. I think it does. Does it? It works. Did it work? Yeah. Yeah, okay. There you go. So it it, comes, split, it splits long ways. Yeah, splits long, it splits ways, long like ways like this, and then you can pull it off. 
And you can just paste it into your mirror. So along with I, Isaiah 6, 9 through 10, you guys can memorize this, which is the answer to how we make sure we don't. <laughs> All right. Go and worship the Lord and reflect it. Incredible illustrations. Yeah. So, where do you find all that? Again. Amazon. You, yeah. right <laughs> you want these bad Dollar no. store. Yeah. They're yours. <laughs> Seriously? Like, they're all yeah. yours. You guys get to keep them all. <laughs> and you can put the sticker on there. Oh, yeah, yeah, And you guys yeah, get to keep it, take it around with you. And yeah. if you're ever, what? like, you know, wondering, what am I, is there a reminder asking you yourself, what am I reflecting? I think you should go to an online store, christianprops.com. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. shoot, that must be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really? Yeah, I know it's not. Think about that. You go and you split gangbusters. Like oh, like that. Yeah. I put the sticker on the mirror, so I wouldn't have to look at myself. <laughs> <laughs> Very good job. Very it's good. Today they're having something a little wider, right? <laughs> That's right. It'd be a wider. Great gift. Thanks, Greg. Yeah. I like that. All right. Look at um, that crap from our Bible. Is that my wife? Jason, you want to close? You want to close us in Oh, for sure. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Holy, holy, holy. Lord Almighty. Thank you so much for the gifts that you bestow upon us every day. For your never-ending and awesome grace. For the blood that you have flowing in our veins for the truth that you have allowed us to see and will continue to grow within our hearts that we may see with our eyes mm-hmm. that we may hear with our ears that we may understand with the heart that you have given us that we exercise your will on the earth thank you Lord so much for this group thank you for our teachers thank you for this day amen amen Amen. 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 go do some reflecting guys Mm -hmm.